Hello and welcome to another episode of the Live Immediately podcast with Mike Campbell. Thank you so much for listening. This is where I have conversations with people who are living life on their own terms. We dive into those big moments that have pushed them through the fears and self-limiting beliefs that hold so many of us back. But before we get stuck into this week's episode, I have a very special announcement to make for all of my local Live Immediately listeners that live here in Newcastle. Along with my lovely friend, podcast guest, and wonderful woman behind the Rich Life website, Samantha Dove, we are hosting the Newcastle book launch of Brooke McCallery's latest book, Slow. My wife, Inga, has nearly powered through this book. She can't put it down, but I nabbed it off her the other day when she did so I could read it on the train down to Sydney, and it's such a great book. And like with everything that Brooke does, I highly recommend it. I can't wait to have Brooke in my hometown as she, along with her husband, Ben, have been so instrumental in many of the changes that Inga and I have made. And it's been so lovely to develop a friendship with them both over the past few years. Brooke is the queen of simple living in my eyes and her brilliant The Slow Home podcast has been downloaded over 2 million times, which is a a huge effort. The book launch will be happening at the Hunter Design School, which is 67 Parry Street, Newcastle, just opposite the Edwards on Wednesday, September 27 at 6.30pm. It is set to be a great night with Brooke reading parts of her new book, Slow, and I'm sure there'll be a little time for a Q&A as well. Tickets are limited though due to space and I know that this event will sell out very quickly as tickets are only $6 or something to cover venue hire and a light supper and tea that will also be provided. Brooke's book Slow will also be available for sale on the evening as well as Brooke being there to sign it for you on the night. Links to tickets will be in the show notes and also on the events page at liveimmediately.com. So head over there to uh, click on the link and grab your tickets. It's set to be a really, really fun night and I can't wait to see you all there. But now let's get stuck into this week's episode. And the home is so important when it comes to living a simpler life as the home really depicts so many of our daily habits. My guest today is the lovely Angela Fung. One third of the sister trio behind the beautiful High Tea with Mrs. Wu label. Angela and her architect husband Matt have built a small home on what used to be their neighbor's garage plot. This deliberate home is more than just a roof over their family's head. It was a home built to create behavioral change. Angela looked inward and asked that very important question. What would you like to be doing every day? Spending time with her family, exploring, camping, cooking, getting outside, creating. So she built a home to allow all that to happen. Angela and I touch on so many topics in this chat, being thoughtful about money, family values and providing a better future for our kids, simple living and being thoughtfully frugal, and Angela's wonderful empty pantry potluck dinner parties. I personally can't wait for the next one to happen. Like many of us, Angela is on a journey to finding a simple life that works for her. The big takeaway here is that Angela has dedicated the time to think about what is important to her, what she values, and then she's gone about designing a life and a home to complement it. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Angela Fung.
Hi, Angela. How are you? Very well, thanks, Mike. Thanks for having a chat with me. You're more than welcome. So more than welcome. It's lovely to have you on. And I usually ask people whereabouts in this beautiful world are they today, but I know where you are. You actually <laughs> live in my lovely hometown of Newcastle, and I had the absolute pleasure of meeting you for the first time in person uh, about a week ago when I came over to your beautiful little home last week for a cup of tea. Um, and I wanted to get you on the podcast and have a chat to you as you are very deliberate and mindful of how you're designing your life and the way that you want to live and experience life with your husband and your two young kids. And I'm sure there's heaps that we're going to unpack and chat about today. But I thought to start, could you give everyone listening a, a little bit of a background on you or the, uh, the blurb of Angela, if you wouldn't mind? Yeah, for sure. Um, look, my name's Angela Fung. Um, I'm one of uh, three sisters. Um, migrated here with my parents and my sisters in 1988, um, straight from Kuala Lumpur, the hustle and bustle, big city, all the way to Newcastle. So Malaysia to Australia, big city to small industrial, um, you know, blue collar BHP industrial town. Um, it was a, a big shock to us. And I was only six years old, so my sisters were eight and ten, so we were pretty little. Um, we rocked up here, um, big culture shock, really. Uh, we didn't speak very well uh, English, so we had to learn all of that. Went through school um, and really just fumbled our way through this uh, this new life, landing on our feet with awesome, resourceful parents that just taught us how to get by on, you know, pretty – little income um, and be able to make things and do things and cook and spend time together um, and not really just spend a lot of money doing things. So it was, yeah, it was a really awesome childhood here actually. And like, what was that like as a, I, th I think it was an eight year old, as you said, pretty much leaving this country that was your home and uprooting into another country that was completely different. Like, what was the, the culture shock like? Yeah, I think, you know, the, the crazy thing is when we look back on that, for us as kids, we were really excited because, you know, mum and dad said to us, look, we're, we're thinking about, you know, moving our little core family all the way to this foreign Western country. Um, do you want to go there and eat fish and chips? That's what they said <laughs> And we thought, yes, fish and chips, because, you know, in Malaysia, the food is really like uh, there's Indonesian, uh, sorry, Malaysian and Malay, Indonesian and Indian cuisines mixed together. So we had that really intense flavor kind of food. And then Western food was like us going to a fancy place to eat and we'd have chips. And we thought, oh, wow, it's amazing. And then for mum and dad to say, we could come to Australia and eat chips like quite often. It was pretty hilarious. So that was the, you know, the sort of introduction. They said, let's go to Australia and we're going to start this whole new life there. And we got on a plane and we thought, wow, this is you know, the biggest adventure ever. But we didn't understand what it meant was not actually being with our family anymore. Mm. Like it was exciting. And then when we arrived here and settled down a little bit, mum and dad did actually, a, you know, a really beautiful thing. They asked us to decide. Um, it was about probably two years in and they said to us, um, how do you guys feel after living here for two years? Do you want to go back to Malaysia? And the three of us actually unanimously said no. Wow. We just, we, you know, it was very different, very challenging, especially with the language. And we were 
one of the um, small amounts of uh, non-Caucasian families in Newcastle because it's a very uh, Caucasian town. Um, So that was quite challenging. But apart from that, you know, we just embraced it because our parents were so supportive and, you know, just helped us through it. And we just loved it here because, you know, it's the beach. We've never really hung out at the beach before. Blue skies, you know, very little pollution, just beautiful, open, friendly place to live. So, yeah, we we decided to stay. It was, yeah, tough but but really amazing at the same time. And big decisions for young girls to to I guess unpack and comprehend yeah I think so I think you know my my parents must somehow have had a different way of thinking because it was a big thing my dad's the eldest uh, son or eldest and son of his family so that's a big no-no in the Chinese family the he was supposed to take over my grandfather's business but you know he just made a call and wanted to give us a better uh, future so they got sponsored to come here and just said, look, let's do this. And all along the way, I think they've really taught us the, um, you know, beautiful foundations of just being really mindful and living fairly simply on not too much um, and just teaching us how to be uh, thoughtful about money. That's actually a big lesson that I now as an adult have learned that they had, you know, really instilled in us um, and how to just be, uh, yeah, careful and thoughtful and resourceful and, you know, share as much as we can with our family and our friends. And that's, yeah, I think big decision and they really stuck to it and they showed us that if you're committed to something, you can make it work. And I guess from, as parents, we're always trying to look for ways that we can, we all, we all want to give our kids the best life. And you've spoken here about your parents being quite resourceful and, and teaching you some great lessons about living with less and before kind of minimalism was even a topic, I'm sure, but, right. but, but also like about money, like how, how did they teach you those things? And, and are there, I know that your kids at the moment are under one and I think three, so they're maybe not into that kind of finance things at the moment, but what, I guess, what lessons did your parents teach you? And, and I guess, what are the lessons that you'll be teaching your kids? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I mean, I've been thinking about that a lot lately, you know, now that, you know, we've got kids and um, the things that are really important to us are uh, these, these values of being mindful about um, money and resources. And I think my parents really taught us that saving is really important and not spending what you don't have. So they, you know, were not credit card people. They always put aside money for rainy days. Um, they always had, uh, you know, ways of making something go a long distance and they just didn't buy lots of things unnecessarily, um, always, you know, shopped for discounts, you know, found things that are on sale, all good stuff, nothing, not being um, cheap for the being the sake of being cheap, but, you know, being thoughtfully frugal. Um, and also, like, we all had to help around, around the house. So, then, you know, they give us a bit of pocket money, but it always came um, after we did chores. And that really taught us that everyone has to, you know, help out in the family. Um, and, you know, cook food together, clean up together and not have to, um, yeah, spend lots and lots to, to do things. And I think that's the sort of stuff that we'll be, Matt and I will love to be sharing with our kids. It's how can you um, have great experiences 
um, you know, eating together, making stuff together, doing craft together, whatever it is, going bushwalking and and not having to spend heaps to do those beautiful things. Because it's, it's so true. Often the things that don't cost money that we just – that just seem to happen without kind of planning and without the latest and greatest things often seem to be those things that are really memorable to us. Yeah, I think so. Like we, you know, we like traveling and we'll save for that. And those experiences and camping, which is a, you know, a brilliant way to spend time outdoors um, without spending a lot of money. Uh, And those things like even Zoe, she's an amazing speaker. So she can still remember and tell us all of these intricate details of the trips that we do, which might just be up to Barrington, you know, for a night of camping um, or you know, a bushwalk through the coastal track in Glenrock or whatever it is. She remembers those things much more than the toy that she received. Um, and I think that that's great because if we can keep working on that, um, then all of us will be much more uh, thoughtful and sustainable people in our lives. And have you have you struggled with with any of that? Because a, a lot of what you're talking about is is a little bit different to the norm, and and maybe it's just the circles that 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 I'm with. I, I feel there is a shift um, of being kind of more mindful about things and and experience over things. But has it been difficult for you? I guess with society's pushes on you, or is it just something that you've always been quite strong and upheld? Well, yeah, I think it is a challenge. It's definitely not an easy thing because um, there's advertising, you know, being blasted at you from every angle. Buy more things, do more shopping, um, you know, stuff's on sale. You need this, you need that. And it's quite intense. And I know that um, now that we have kids and we've settled into our, you know, new little small home, we have become much more intentional about um, this sort of, way of just being more mindful uh also i guess to answer that question it has kind of been in us because of our parents but also my sisters and i we um run our uh small business here high tea with mrs Wu, and i guess we're we're clothing makers we have a small little boutique here and as part of this you know mentality that we've been brought up with it's also kind of continued into what we do because we make uh clothing that's you know natural fibers really long lasting really versatile and the point that we're trying to make is that you don't need to buy much um you know have less pieces in your wardrobe and they trend they cross across different seasons you can wear them um for a long period of time pass them on and that mentality of shopping well buying less and making them last, and that's what we're trying to provide as a, a maker. Um, I guess that's kind of our way of marrying our thoughts into the general society and hopefully encouraging and educating people that it is possible to make those good decisions. You might have to spend a bit more because we make it in Australia and everything is uh, locally, everything does cost more in Australia, but you don't need much of it. You know, You can just invest and look after it and and wear it really well and that's kind of you know a way that could help minimize your minimize your wardrobe in a sense and they are beautiful clothing i must add add to that as well thank you thank you (laughs) but you also mentioned there about 
your new little home. And I did describe it earlier as beautiful and little, and it, it really is stunning and, and, and it's so unique. And correct me if I'm wrong, but you actually built it on your neighbor's plot of land where his garage used to be. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah. We were just really fortunate that um, this particular neighbor had already had a, a subdivision for this very tiny block, which just had um, like a half broken double garage on it. And we, in our crazy just dreamings, I had stumbled across it online and I thought, oh, wow, a block of land that's really small, that is un- very rare for Newcastle. Um, and we we just jumped at the opportunity to buy. And in Carrington, where we live, where I am right now, it's um, you know, a fairly industrial little portside uh, suburb of Newcastle, but it's also like kind of feels like a bit like an island or a country town. So there's this quirky mix of of fate ended up with us buying this plot of land and and Matt and I have always been interested in, you know, small living. We love Japan. We love how um, the way they live is very flexible. You know, one room can be a bedroom and a lounge room and a dining room. Everything is quite um, well used because their space is so limited. So I guess our, our thoughts were we would love to intentionally make a home that is smaller, that costs less, and we don't end up with a giant mortgage. And it also forces us to have less stuff and spend less time cleaning, which is, you know, one of the big reasons why we don't want to spend all of our weekends maintaining a giant house. So it gives us more time, time to be with each other and experience things and go bushwalking and have people over for potlucks and you know, it's a very definitely a very intentional decision to make uh, a small home for us to live in. Well, your potluck dinners are, is something that I do want to talk about later, but I just want to read something that um, you have written, and it. I'm reading this now and it says, we gave ourselves a brief to encourage simple, compact, minimal living, small, tight, filled with light, hardy, functional, flexible, openable, closable, affordable, sustainable, easy to maintain, less space for less stuff. And like reading that and walking through your home, you really did nail your brief. Like it's it's so spot on. But All thanks to Matt, my husband, who's an incredible architect who yeah he he made it happen which is amazing and he made it all happen without a front door which is even more beautiful <laughs> so, um, that, that saved us a lot of space so we could actually you know have the the walkway external to the house and you get to have these beautiful open um one big space to have people over for potlucks it's yeah it's fantastic but why were why were all, all of those things that were included in in your brief why were all of those things important to you Look, I think um, we have been very fortunate to live in this country where we have so much and there's so much choice and access to everything and it almost feels like sometimes it can be stifling because you can't make decisions easily because there's too much to choose from. Um, And I think also, you know, we feel wary that, you know, the world can't keep sustaining this mass consumption um, and we're only a you know a tiny grain of sand in amongst all that, but we can make a decision with the skill set and the knowledge that we have. Um, and we're fortunate that we did find this block of land for a reasonable price. And we're fortunate that Matt is an architect. And we're fortunate that you know we have the ability to make some really strong decisions about our life. And we fe- felt that 
why not? Like we had thought maybe it would be 10 or 20 years down the track that we might be able to do something like this. But we jumped on and said, okay, if we're going to have this chance to do something and we don't want to end up like, so for example, a good comparison would be an average home size um, in Australia is about 200 plus square metres. Um, and normally it's maybe three to four bedrooms, two bathrooms, double garage, big block of land, maybe four or 500 square metres. So it's it's quite sizable in, in, in our terms. So we made that decision to go, okay, well, we don't want to spend a crazy amount of our lives just working to pay off our debt. So if we had half of that, so our house is 98 square metres, then that means our mortgage is also going to be roughly half of the standard mortgage. And that means that we're going to maybe save 10 to 15 years of having to work to pay off that mortgage. And it also means that we spend less money buying stuff to fill that house because we've only got like kind of two bedrooms, one big open lounge living space, one bathroom and um, no garage, just, you know, drive driveway for the car and, and a family bike. So our expenditure to fill the house is also less and we, we kind of like going, how do we want to spend our time? Like the big question, how do we want to spend our time on this, in this life, in this, on this earth? We want to spend it with people that we love and care about and, and experience things and travel and do stuff. So how do we make our home fit that um, way of living? And I guess we put all those things together and the answer is small. Mm. Just make it smaller and, yeah, you get time back. Uh, and hey, I'm a massive believer of you know time is the true currency without a doubt. But you, you you talk about there about the big question, and and I I guess that is really looking inward and and trying to figure out what is important to you and and what are the things that you love. Did you and your husband sit down and brainstorm that, or was it something that you just you just knew? Because I feel that that's often something that a lot of people struggle with. Yeah, I think so. I think often we get so busy in life, and I, and we're in that boat right now with the with two young kids that you hardly have a chance to even sit to have a conversation, especially about you know things that are really important. You know, things snowball, and suddenly you're at a place that you didn't think that you would be or didn't want to be. And I think from us, um, we already had both of us already had this common love for um, you know. Uh, interesting different ways of living because he's an architect I've always been interested in architecture and building and in creativity and design so we both already had that sort of conversation going and I think when we we just I think you know in general conversation one day we're like you know what how cool it be one day to build our own place that was the starting point it's like okay well let's just play it out like if we wanted to build our own place what would it be like and what does that mean on a day-to-day basis because I think you've like if you say to yourself, "What's the meaning of life?" or you know, "What do I, um, what do I believe in?" All these things are really big questions. But if you just bring it right down to the very basic thing, is what would you like to be doing every day? What does that, what does that look like? And how do you structure the things around that? Like your work and your friends and your family and your home and the way you you move, like you know, bike or car or walking or skateboarding or whatever. How do all those things fit into that? daily life and then just work on the small things go okay well maybe I could um share my car with someone else or um you know put it on a a different site where you can 
um, you know, rent it out to other people and I'll generally ride my bike or walk. Or maybe I could, instead of um, renting a giant three-bedroom house, I could downsize or maybe get roommates. Or, you know, what's to stop a, a 50-year-old from share housing with another person or a family? There's so many different ways of doing stuff. It doesn't have to be the conventional way. You just have to stop and ask yourself what it is that you want rather than going, oh, this is what everybody else does, so I should do that. And I think that that moment of actually stopping and asking that question, because um, you hit the nail on the head there, we just get so busy yeah. all the time. and We never have that. We don't often find that moment to stop and actually soak it in. Yeah. Look, that is obviously the issue for most people, and um, it does – Maybe it's just that everyone gets to a point where they need a change or a push or maybe you listen to a podcast or someone you know says a sentence to you and you go, hey, wait a second, what's that all about? But at some point it does become overwhelming and at some point you know, doing something to change it is really important. So it might just be that you say to yourself, you know, for this week I'm not going to use my car, I'm just going to use public transport or ride or whatever or for this week – I'm, you know, going to try um, doing yoga for 20 minutes every morning or, you know, it's like you just need a catalyst for that little step to make a change mm. and then all the decision tree things come after that. It's like, oh, wait a second, if I did this, then that could happen or maybe I can figure out a different way of living. And then the finances definitely come in too because if you kind of start thinking through all these things, you, you know, going back and going, well, how how much does it actually cost you to live and where can I um, save on, on bits and what actually brings me happiness because having the big house and the big yard and a huge mortgage might not be what you – it might, might be that you're happy with that, but it might not be and maybe you can change that. Mm. It's interesting, like the, the house that you've built and this life that you're building, there's, there's a lot of flexibility in both of them. And, and I feel like with this home, you've kind of built this home that in, encourages you to actually get out of it, if that makes any sense, to kind of go out there and explore. And, and in a sense, kind of force and, in, and encourage you as well to kind of change certain behaviors. D- did you, in a sense, build the home to help encourage those behavioral changes or did the behavioral changes happen and that in turn led to the building of the home? You know what? That's a good, good question. It's really strange now that we, you know, look back on it, but we made those um, decisions in that brief really early on because I think we were so used to just working, 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 you know, getting home really late, eating dinner really late and everything was so um, rushed in a way. It was like, okay, if we wanted to like turn that on its head and change it, what would our living space need to be like to encourage those behavioural changes? Like, you know, not just coming home and plonking yourself down in front of a, a television and just dumbing out because we used to do that like lots of people do because it's easy and we've had a big day and you just want to sort of do nothing in a sense. But we were going, okay, if we wanted to change that and the only like the you know, we felt, felt like the best way to – make that happen was almost like, you know, make the structure around you um, so uh, so kind of clear that it almost stopped your need to do those things. So an example would be um, we made a decision not to have a television. Um, so all we have is a blind, which 
comes down over the back glass doors into the courtyard. So it's just actually a blind because that's the west and it blocks the west and the sun. We invested in a simple projector and that is also the screen for the projector. So it means that if we want to watch something, a show, um, we have to turn it on, pull the blind down, you know, choose something. So it's a very intentional decision to sit down and watch something rather than just flicking it on, coming mm. up, dumbing out. And it's really great because we found that it's so much more enjoyable. Like we're not just going through the motions. It's like, oh, let's watch, you know, our daughter loves watching cooking shows. So Sunday night is we make dinner and we turn on the projector and we watch cooking shows on, you know, ABC or something. And it's wonderful. Like that's our sort of hangout time. It makes the, the thing of watching something together a special treat rather than it just being a daily thing that then that she and, and well, Zoe and Levi will then end up thinking that that's just normal where we're like, you know, we've got, we can do craft, we can play games, we can, you know, ride your bike around the house, we can do whatever, it, um, we, you know, they can watch stuff sometimes, but it's not the centre of the house, which mm. is what happens in most places where there's a television. And you speak about cooking shows there, and I guess the kitchen really is the heart of any home. Uh, as, as it is with yours. And when it comes to food, one of the things that Inga and I have been doing for the past couple of years is to eat our way through the pantry, the pantry and fridge before we go and do another shop. And it's, and this really helps because you, you know, you don't buy food f just for the sake of it. And you also get to be a little bit creative with your cooking and you get to eat some beautiful made up meals, which I, I, I will easily admit that Inga is so much better at, the made up meals than I am. I'm, I'm a pretty good cook, but when it comes to made up meals, it's amazing <laughs> the kind of food that Inga can just create where I just kind of put everything uh, from the fridge into the one thing and Inga's like, no, that just doesn't work. <laughs> but, but you've actually taken that idea to the next level and this is where I, I really would love you to talk about your empty pantry potluck dinners. Yeah, look, we, um, you know, we all do have the habit of doing that you know you keep buying stuff and the pantry gets fuller and the fridge gets full and you don't even know what's in there um at the end of the week or month or and things go out of date and then it goes in the bin and all that stuff is so wasteful so and the other thing is a lot of our friends now have young children and it gets a bit sad that you can't go out at night because we used to you know be able to go out for dinners and and hang out in the evenings so instead of that and we were mindful of this when we we designed and built this house we wanted a house that could also entertain. It's a small house, but the main space can easily fit uh, 20, 30 plus people, which we have both sides of our family when they come over. Um, there is about 25, 30 people. So it's totally possible. The big sliding doors open, um, especially in the summer. It's amazing. And the whole point is we thought, well, we have this home that we can host our friends to come over with their kids and have a big play, you know, it's early dinner, so four or five o'clock we're having dinner, and the kids play and they all jump in the bath together, which is brilliant. We've got a lovely deep Japanese bath. Um, so the idea is that everyone just brings over their leftovers in their fridge. We usually, like the pizza thing is really easy, so we make up a batch of, you know, homemade dough, homemade tomato sauce. We've got, you know, grated cheese, and then everyone just brings over bits and pieces from their fridge, and we make mix up pizzas and the kids love it and we love it. We get to have a chat. The kids get to play. They get to have a bath and everyone goes home by seven thirty, And it's 
the best. So much fun. Full tummies and big smiles. <laughs> that's, that's and we actually got to have half conversations with our friends. Yeah, true. Which you often don't get when you've got little kids running around everywhere. Oh, I know, and it's it's crazy. But the cool thing is when you have, you know, a whole bunch of different families, then one or two adults can be entertaining more kids while the other people talk. So you're just kind of rotating around and maybe at the end of the night you might have had like two or three conversations, which is a bonus when you're, you know, parents of young kids. <laughs> and so like with with everything that we've spoken about and living in this this beautifully designed and deliberately designed home. Mm. What are some things that you feel now that you've been living in it for, how long have you been living in it for now? Um, A year and a half now. Yep. So 18 months, like what are the changes? What are some of the big changes that you've seen in your family? Um, Okay. So when we first moved in, Zoe was already a year and a half. Yeah. Year and a half old. So it was quite interesting moving in, already with a little one um, and I guess what we found is that we maybe use the space slightly differently to what we thought because we had her and she was already walking and wanting to move around a lot so it was really great that we decided to put concrete floors down because we also wanted the house to be quite hardy so in the house she just rides her bike or her car or whatever and we're not precious about it so she can just do anything around here, make a big mess, and you just mop it up or sweep it out or whatever. So that's really great that we're in – because we don't have much of a yard, it's only like a three-by three um, sort of six-metre little tiny courtyard. So we would need the house to function kind of as an inside-outside. So that is really great. She can do that. The doors can be open onto the side decks. And she can be playing. But it also means that to intentionally go and play outside means just going down to the park, down the road. And we were lucky that there's lovely park with a little playground equipment there. So we can just jump on her scooter or her bike and do that really easily. So though we don't have our own private backyard, we've got a beautiful one right there. And we don't have to maintain it or mow it or anything. So that's pretty cool. Um, Other things that we've found that, has changed since we moved in is that um, bicycle riding has become really great for us because we live in a space that we can ride to both of our workplaces and actually all the way to the ocean along the foreshore on uh, bike paths. So we're pretty lucky. We've switched over to a a family bike. It's a gazelle cabbie that has an awesome um, cab in the front that you can put kids so up, probably up to three kids and all of our groceries or our um, bag work bags or whatever you just chuck it all in there sand play equipment throw it all in there and just ride and we're really getting into that and looking forward to summertime um, rides and beach plays and just really not using the car mm. once we have to so so in a sense this family bike and I, I've, I've seen a photo of it it's it just looks like so much fun. I think from memory, it's also um, electrical um, to help you up those those bigger bigger hills when you yes. you're, you're pushing a, a bike full of kids. But, but but in a sense, that is is like your second car in a way. Yeah, that's right. So we because um, for for Matt's work, he has lots of client meetings. So we did end up getting a second car last year, and since then we're like, okay, how can we um, not have that car because 
it's expensive to, to have two cars and we really don't need it all the time. So um, Matt did awesome research and he came across this, you know, fantastic family bike that it just made sense because if he can ride that and drop Zoe off at daycare and ride to work and so he commutes on that every day at the moment uh, and on the weekends I ride it a little bit more so I can he'll get out there as well and then as soon as Levi is a bit older um, to be able to sit in it then hopefully we'll just be mainly going by bike so you know one normal adult bike plus the family bike and that'll be the, the four of us getting around and it's got like a great canopy thing that you can put on so even if it's raining they, the kids will be protected and we'll just put a rain jacket on um, and that means that you know we uh, our expenses our living expenses is just maintaining the car but the car that's not used very often and then maintaining the bike and the bike has no petrol it has like there's an investment in buying the bike and putting the the motor on it but in the long term we also don't pay for any parking mm. it's like brilliant because you know on the weekend we went to an awesome night um street feast um market food festival cars everywhere and zoe and i just pulled up right onto the grass on the bike like oh this is brilliant we carried our picnic rugs and uh, you know, snacks and everything all inside, and you just turn up. So, yeah, it's, it's really, really changed the way we um, spend our weekends as well, which is lovely. And like, But, like, that's a, that's a big – it's not a big decision because people ride bikes all the time, but, but to kind of say to yourself, you know what, we're going to invest in, you know, a bike that, that's going to cost a few thousand dollars, but that's going to be like our second car and, and we don't mind that it's going to take us a little bit longer to cycle to the grocery store because the the cycling there is actually part of the experience of getting the groceries and being outside with our kids and our kids growing up, understanding, hey, you don't always need to be in a car. But like there's some, along with everything else you've spoken about, I guess the the thing I'm trying to point out here is that there are some big decisions that you've made and conscious decisions to actually go about changing your life and go about aligning what you do and your values with how you want to live. Yeah, I think so. And they all come hand in hand because it's like once you make one decision, then you start um, thinking about other ways to be more efficient or cost effective or or, you know, get yourself more outside time. And the bike decision, too, really started out as, you know, Matt going, oh, I need to get more exercise. So great way to get exercise when you have no time because it's crazy with the kids is to ride to and from work. And then we thought, well, you can ride, but then if we're going to, you know, make that happen and the kids want to ride, we the kids are little, they can't ride their own bike for a while. So how can we move, get, move around? And then, you know, all of this just started into this, huge research into what kind of cargo bikes there are available and then when you when you get into it like you said it's the experience of riding is just the adventure so it's like we say oh let's like yesterday afternoon had to go and get some groceries but it makes you plan it because you're like I only want to go once and I want to get all the things that I need to so you, you plan that out and then I say to Zoe come on let's jump in the bike Here's some snacks. She gets in, you know, she brings her her, her soft toys and her babies or whatever. She can play a game in there because mm. she's in a, a, a cabbie. She's not just sitting in a bike seat on the back of the bike. Um, so she can do whatever she wants in there. And on top of that, we can have a conversation, which one of the main reasons why we decided on this bike that has a front cab 
is because we can converse with her and we can see her, the kids in front of us when we're riding. And so we just chat and we chat about what we see. Cause in the, and she says to me now in the car, oh, I can't really see. I can't see. It's much better in the bike because I can see what's what we're going past. And she points out, you know, the clock tower or the tree or, oh, look, there's a, you know, a mum pushing twins in a pram or she can see so much more. We can chat and she can eat and play. We get to the grocery store. We do our groceries. We throw everything back in. We ride home via the park, had a beautiful play, sunset, came home and cooked dinner. Like it was such a lovely way to spend an afternoon um, without – that was something that we had to practically get done, which is the groceries. Well, I'm sure everybody's grocery journey is as beautiful as that. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it, this is only recent too. Like I've, I've, you know, I've really embraced it and kind of gone, let's let's just make the bike um, the adventure for every time we go somewhere and we can, you know, kind of bribe Zoe by saying, oh, we'll go to the park on the way because it's so easy. You just mm. – ride into the playground and jump off and play and then jump back in the bike. It's brilliant. It sounds like fun. It really does, Ange. But um, before we go today, I have one final question for you, which is one that I ask all my guests, and it is could you please describe your perfect day? Oh, gosh. How to describe? So many ways of um, having perfect days. Okay, my first example might be like uh, wake up, Maybe with kids that aren't screaming, that maybe you're in a pretty good mood. We might come come downstairs, um, cook up something really delicious. Maybe some pancakes with fruit and yogurt, or um, you know, muesli, or or scrambled eggs, or something yummy. And open up the big doors and sit on the deck in the sun. Uh, and then maybe plan a, a, a bike trip somewhere. We might put all of the sand play equipment in, towels, and then jump on the bike pack some snacks and then ride all the way down to to the Nobby's Beach or even further along to um, Newcastle Beach and maybe it'll be sort of summertime and we'd have a play in the, the kids the kids pool for a couple of hours and and then you know ride back maybe go by a playground and make some lunch or have another picnic somewhere and just cruise on into the evening and have a whole bunch of people come over for potluck dinner Kids have a bath, everyone's happy, and we have a beautiful um, night's sleep. That would be amazing. Sounds like fun. It really does. And I want to, I want to come to one of these potluck dinners soon as well. Please do. We'd love to have um, Inga and you and Andy over. That would be terrific fun. Uh, we, would, we would love to be there. But, and I just want to say thank you so much for your time today and really explaining to people about the deliberateness in, in designing a life that you, you really want to live. And I think you, you do live it so well and you, you seem to have so much fun and, and joy in doing it. But if people do want to reach out to you and, and follow some stuff um, that you're doing or, or even look at some of the beautiful clothing there at um, High Tea with Mrs. Wu, what's the best way for people to, to reach out to you and follow you? Well, um, we are at info at highteawithmrswoo.com.au. That's our email or our website, highteawithmrswoo.com.au. Um, and I've just started a kind of uh, Instagram blog thing about you know simple uh, intentional living called No Front Door or Elephants. Um, that's only just started. So if anyone has uh, you know ideas or thoughts or just like to chat about stuff, please feel free to get in touch. Love to Love to hear from you. And thank you so much to you, Mike, for doing what you do and sharing wonderful stories and encouraging all, us all to 
live a simpler and happier life. Oh, thank you so much, Ange, um, for those lovely words. They do mean a lot to me. And I will make sure that all the links that you've mentioned there and everything else that we've mentioned in the show are at the uh, show notes at liveimmediately.com. But um, again, thank you so much, Ange, and thank you everybody for listening. And until next time, have fun and live immediately. That was another episode of the Live Immediately podcast with Mike Campbell. Thanks so much for listening. The original Live Immediately theme music is by the multi-talented Timothy McPhee. You can check out his music at firekites.bandcamp.com. If you enjoyed the show, had some fun, and maybe even learned something, then make sure you subscribe via iTunes. And while you're there, why not leave a rating and a review? You know it's going to make my day. Thanks for stopping by and giving me some of your time today. I'll catch you on the next episode. And until then, have fun and live immediately.